The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink, sponsored by Clark Energy. My name is Emma Piercy and I lead on energy and climate change policy here at the Food and Drink Federation. I'm delighted to have with me today Alex Smith from Alara Whole Foods, who set up the company in 1975 and whom I had the pleasure of meeting about a month ago. Alex and I did some filming for a video ahead of COP26 and I learned so much from this visit and he has such enthusiasm for sustainable business that I'm really happy to say he agreed to join me today. Hello Alex. Hi Emma, pleasure to join you today. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you know, Alex, could you start by, by letting our listeners know what kind of business Alara is and the products that you make? Because Alara is a fairly unusual business in that, first of all, we're based at King's Cross in central London and we are manufacturing here. So we're manufacturing in the centre of London. It's a factory set in a big permaculture forest garden around the factory. We've got 250 fruit trees we've planted here. We're really embedded in the community. And the main products that we make really are organic cereals that we distribute both into London nationally and internationally as well. Great, thank you. talk about sustainability I mean one thing you actually didn't touch on there is because you've got some net zero products but um as we will come on to this but in leading up to that question um what does sustainable business mean to you I think there's some confusion really about what sustainability is and when I read articles I hear a lot of people equate sustainability with environmental sustainability, which of course is part of it. I think a very important element to remember is that for me, sustainability has four foundational elements. It has an economic foundation. If if we go bust, we're not very sustainable. It has a social element. If we treat our community and our employees and our stakeholders badly, that's not sustainable. It has, of course, an economic, uh, sorry, has, of course, the environmental element in that if the environment in which we're operating collapses, that's not sustainable. And we have a governance element as well. We need to have a proper, clear, transparent basis under which we're dealing and trading into society. So it is all of these four elements which make up for me a proper sustainable business. So it is I can hear from what you're saying that you know sustainability then as a whole is, is just core to, to everything that, that of course that you're doing and, and want to, to achieve. How how did you start on the sustainability journey? Well again we had a rather strange start in that in opposition to for-profit property development, I decided to live for a year without using any money at all. So I had a a year money free. My dad gave me a five pound note during that time and I used it to light the fire. After almost a year of this, the partner I was living with, for some reason, 
decided that she'd got a bit fed up with it. So we decided to start using money again. And the very next day I found two pounds in the street and we used that two pounds to start the business, which was enough to pay to get a van into New Covent Garden Market where I picked up thrown away fruit and vegetables from the bins and we started selling those in a squat. So that's how we started off. See, it's, it's, just, it's just incredible. Um, I mean, from, from, from that point uh, to, to, to where we are saying, I know that's, you know that's a long period of time, but what, if I asked you what were the kind of key milestones, and, uh, and I, I suppose I'm thinking here from a, a sustainable, well, I, I was going to say from, from a sustainability perspective, but actually, in, as you've said, the sustainability angle covers... Uh, you know, economic, the, the social, the environmental and the governance side. So if I asked you what were the sort of key milestones uh, between, you know, that, that, that first day in Covent Garden and, and where you are now, what would be some of the ones that come to mind? Well, I suppose that, you know, again, there's quite a lot. You know, I'm very proud that Alara is the very first organic certified cereal company anywhere in the world, the very first zero waste food factory the very first cereal company to be certified fair trade, very first company to be licensed by the Celiac Society. This is a lot of firsts. It's amazing. Well, yeah, no, it is quite a lot of firsts. You, you know, I mean, we've been at the forefront, really, of this for a long time. I'm also very proud that I'm chair of the Camley Street Neighbourhood Forum and have, with the community here been working on a neighbourhood plan developing how we think this key inner city area should get developed. That's fascinating. And, and just touching upon that for a moment, um, you know, as you said, of course, you've got your manufacturing site there. So you, you employ from the, the local community? Um, yes, there's some from the local community who are employed here. But unfortunately, one of the things about central London is that house prices and costs here are enormous, which is why the plan that we've been working on here, you know, again for the last 10 years, would have as part of that over 500 homes at properly affordable rent, which the team who work here could actually afford. Yes, goodness. Um, I, I, I think we need to, to have this subject for, for definitely in a, for another podcast as well. Uh, so I'd love to explore that more, but we'll we'll save that for another time. Um, but one, one of the um, other questions I wanted to ask. Um, so you, you mentioned you know a number of firsts you've had there, and I remember when we spoke before, you, you've talked about your work with the, the rainforest saver, and I was just wondering if you could speak a bit about that and remind me you know, about the work you've been doing with them and, and how that started? Well, I suppose this again started probably about 12 years ago. I've mentioned that we've got a permaculture forest garden around our factory here. So we've, we're a, a land registered, we're a demonstration permaculture forest garden. And when I was attending the permaculture national meetings, I met Rainforest Saver there as they've developed a system called Inga Alley cropping with an Inga tree that naturally fixes nitrogen. So it is a, a you know, specialist type of permaculture. 
they are working with indigenous farmers in sub-Saharan Africa, Central and South America, introducing this agricultural system, which means that the farmers who previously have been practicing slash and burn farming can now have a fixed piece of land, plant inga, which means their land will be permanently fertile, and so save the rainforest from slash and burn and also fix with the inga which grows for about 30 years the carbon sequestered mm. in, into the inga trees so you know it, it seemed to me to be an extremely worthwhile way absolutely, to go absolutely i mean and i'm just thinking of course um you know as, as we come up to cop 26 as well and you know we talk about you know, the effects of climate change on on food system, um, yeah, the biodiversity loss we, that we've seen. That actually, some of what you've just talked about there um, is very much about you know addressing some of this this deforestation that we're seeing, and um, you know, and, and and then helping farmers in it, sort of being able to to continue uh, growing their crops, and you know, without without those damaging impacts to the environment. I mean, with with the with your supply chains, you know, and and you know, and and the the, the muesli that, that that you're making, and you know, like 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 I don't know, the coconut that you get from from abroad. I mean, uh, as an example, I mean, with, with some of these uh, in, uh, products that you're getting from abroad, have you ha, have you seen? Do you see risks uh, as a result of sort of climate change coming? Ha, have you experienced any sort of volatility already? What I'm just wondering what what you see as the concerns on your business on on climate change. To be honest, I don't think of it as climate change. It seems slightly sort of oh look, let, let's go um, to you know the Seychelles. I could do with a bit of warm weather. I, I think of it as climate chaos. Mm. Climate chaos will mean the breakdown. You know, social environmental, economic and governmental systems. So if we don't get on top of this, all of those systems will collapse. And that, of course, will be completely devastating. We're already seeing some impacts of that with additional typhoons in in the Philippines impacting our coconut, you know, and much closer to home not this year's crop, but last year's cereal mm. crop really being affected by the huge additional wet weather during the winter, which meant both winter winter crops got lost and spring crops got really delayed and the increase in cereal. So all of that is happening already. Yes. Unless we get on top of it, we'll get much, much worse. And, and how did you manage that risk? Uh, or the, you know, that those... The, the the problems with the the coconut supply chain and and you mentioned like the, the the cereals and you know the sort of missing stroke late harvest how did that sort of affect your business and how did you respond well so far we've been able to find alternate supplies for things that have got very very delayed at the same you know i mean we do hold a reasonable amount of stock so we haven't yet let any of our customers down 
I think one of the other elements that we need to consider here is the relationship that we've got with our suppliers. As part of our sustainability agenda, we do pay all of our suppliers immediately, so we don't take any credit from any of our suppliers. Wow. But what this means is that as they see we really value them and respect the work that they do on our behalf, at the same time, you know, I think that they respect us and want to make sure they treat us as in, in like fashion. So we do get good advance warning of problems that are happening. So that long-term mm. is very valuable. But it's really interesting to hear that because it's I've not heard this example before. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about the sustainability of your business uh, and the, the wider meaning of sustainability. But actually, what you've talked about there is also about the sustainability of the supply chain and the people that you work with, um, which is a, a really interesting perspective. And, and I think, you know, one of the questions I had was about, you know, how do you, how do you seek to re respond to these challenges um, uh, that we see with, with climate change? And actually, you've addressed some of that point already. It's about having those strong relationships with your with your suppliers and you know understanding or respecting sort of their businesses uh, which is really interesting yes we have been for some time now claiming to be the most sustainable food manufacturer on earth because we do have a measure for our environmental our social our economic and our governance and our measure in the economic sphere is that we make sure we pay all of our suppliers for both goods mm. and services immediately. So we don't take credit from any of our suppliers. We know that cash flow is extreme, extremely important for everybody and de-risking all of that supply and putting our money where our mouth is in terms yes. of saying our suppliers are important is what our economic sustainability measure is yes well that's, that's very interesting um i suppose maybe a little bit onto the the environmental pillar i know we touched upon the the, the rainforest say uh, earlier but i was wondering if you could talk a bit about um you know your sort of net zero accreditation and you know how you how you managed to achieve that what is it and i suppose what have you done to to enable that We've been working now for quite some time on looking at scope three embedded CO2E in the food that we supply, you know, scope one and scope two we've more or less dealt with. And it's a simpler thing for food manufacturers to deal with. Scope three and the enormous variability in CO2E embedded in all of the ingredients in the supply chain coming into the factory is a much harder thing to deal with. Mm. So we've been working with Westminster University over about the last four years, taking data, you know, peer-reviewed published data on the variability of those raw ingredient supply chains and the amount of CO2E embedded in them. We've then taken the highest of that 
variability graph and use that to calculate scope 3 CO2e in the ingredients and then using our, our database where this data is entered, the scope 3 CO2e of a particular product with the weight. So we're now putting on the products, Alara branded products that we're putting out, the scope 3 CO2e in, embedded in that particular product mm. and then how we're using our contributions to Rainforest Saver to offset that. So we are, you know, I think having a very good understanding of that mechanism now and we'll certainly be rolling that out across all of Alara brand by the end of next year. Excellent. And, uh, and we're starting to see interest from our, our other customers too in this service. So mm. it's something I will be able to offer to others in due course. So you get involved with carbon offsetting? Well, I think that the reality at the moment is that carbon offsetting is, if you want to get to net zero, an inevitability. In due course, I think the agricultural system is going to be a really big carbon sink. You know, there's an opportunity for agriculture to put carbon back into the soil rather than release it. Yes. At that stage, I don't think you know, we'll be able to move away from carbon offsetting. Mm. But for us, being able to support indigenous farmers using rainforest saver and recognizing the carbon that that project is sequestering back into the soil is how we're achieving net zero yes now and i think that it brings up a really important point actually i, mean, I use the phrase carbon offsetting but actually we're talking about insetting you know as in uh cut these carbon reduction projects in within the supply chain so even if you can't directly directly offset it yourself actually you're doing something within the supply chain to to uh, uh to, to address the issue which i think you know is is what we need to do as well um i mean on a slight i say a slight change of subject but one, one of the things i was also really fascinated to hear about when i visited you uh was uh, around your packaging innovations um, and I was just I was just amazed by what you tell me. So I, I, I shall let you explain more to our listeners. Yes, again, I think as far as I know, we're the very first cereal company brand to become plastic free. We've been plastic free now for about three years. And we trialled then a film made from eucalyptus cellulose. So we've been using this for about three years now and tested it, it cold composts back down to soil in about four months. So it, in a way, it's a bit like using a very specialist clear see-through leaf for our packaging. It doesn't detract at all from the, um, the, the protection that the film gives our products. It gives it, it's still good oxygen and moisture barrier, but 
because it decomposes in coal compost so quickly, you know, it won't pollute the seas or yes. the environment at all. So we're very, very pleased with that as well. Was that, was that difficult to find? I mean, how did you find this as a solution? Well, we've, you know, we've got a very good team here and we've got very good connections, as you can imagine, out mm. in the packaging world, having been doing this for such a long time. And it was a, a, a solution that was presented to us about four years ago. It did mean that at that stage we paid almost four times wow. per, per bag. But since then, we've been trialing thinner packaging and the cost has come down as well. So now it's only one and a half times the price of a normal um, laminate bag that most cereals are packed mm. in. So, you know, the price has come down. Yeah, we've got all fantastic. of those those environmental benefits from that system. Mm. And, and speaking of, of all these firsts and all the, this great work you've done, I remember you telling me you got an award recently. Well, Emma, I mean, to be honest, we have received several quite, quite <laughs> a few awards. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, probably the two I'm most proud of are first at the Global Sustainable Food Awards in Amsterdam. A year or so ago, we won the first prize for um, the Global Sustainable Pioneers. So that was one. And then just last month, we won the Grocer Gold Award. Ah, uh, yes. For sustainability, our sustainability initiative. So that was really for the introduction of these net zero food products with scope three CO2E yes. on well, that's, the pack. Mm, I mean, and that's the thing, because actually, when you when you get a sustainability award, you've actually done so many things and all of the different pillars, <laughs> you know, there's, you just cover so much. Um, and, you know, that, that's actually kind of leads me on to my last question, which is, you know, if you were to offer some advice to businesses um, looking to, to rebuild, make progress on the sustainability journey what's the first things that come to mind around the advice that maybe you'd give them i suppose the first thing that comes to mind is to remember that sustainability has these four foundations it's you know obviously very valuable to tackle the environmental element yet at the same time the environmental element without the social, the economic or the governance isn't really generating a properly sustainable system as far as I can see. Mm. So all these four elements are required. What I will say, however, is now we've actually achieved it and embedded them in the business. It is extraordinarily simple, to be honest. It is a very simple system. In fact, it makes our lives very easy, you know, ju just looking at our accounts. Because we don't have a, uh, a creditor book, we don't have all of that management of creditors. You know, we just mm. get bills in, they go into a to-be-paid file and they're paid, rather than all of that additional management of the yes. system. Interesting. With zero waste. That's now a profit center for us. We earn money from turning the packaging that we our raw ingredients come into 
into raw ingredients that go out. So that's now turned into a profit center. So it's now, you know, a very sensible, easy system that we've got operating here. And once you take that step and get there, then it's, it, it's an amazing place to be, certainly. I'd say that the example that we've got here, in a way, has a learning for wider society as well, mm. in that the way Alara runs, it, you know, it's an amazing place to be, really. We've got a very, very stable team working here. You know, we have hardly anybody leaving or, or needing to come in because we've made that leap. And I think this whole discussion that we're having now, it does need to be remembered that if we can become sustainable as a society, the sort of society we'll be living in will be a truly amazing place to be. I think you just said some really inspirational uh, things there. And one of the things that also comes to mind, um, you know, is, is also about how embedded you are in the community. And, and just the sort of wider points are around around collaboration, but but on all levels, it, you know, it's with, it's with the customers, with the community, with suppliers, and we all just need to work together um, in, in, to to make this happen. And 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 I, and I think Alex, you know, your organisation and what and how you've built it up is, you know, is a is a real inspiration and case study for us. Um, so I think I think on that note, I'd just really like to thank you actually for, for joining me today, and uh, um, I look forward to a part two sometime. <laughs> um, <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, and for everyone who's listening, thank you for doing so. Uh, and in terms of help and support available around the sustainability agenda, case studies, including on the Lara too, do go onto our website uh, and also keep an eye out on our events page for free webinars you can attend. We will also be publishing our Net Zero Handbook for businesses on 9th of November, uh, from when it will be available to download. And we also have a, a webinar to run through it all on 18th of November. Well, thank you once again, Alex, for coming today. And thank you all for listening. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors.